welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Mike, one of the pastors here, and before we, before we jump into that passage, actually when Adam was reading it, and it ends on verse 6, which is, do not give dogs what is holy, and then the pigs thing, for they'll turn and attack you, and I just like laughed, because I was like, that's so weird, right? Like, that's such a weird verse, so, right? Am I, like, you guys think that's weird? Okay. Uh, Jesus kind of just throws it out there, and then he moves on. But we'll, we'll talk about what it is, what it means, because it's one of those verses that just really sticks out uh, and that a lot of people have trouble understanding. So we'll, we'll go into it. Before we do that, I want to say, I want to just uh, announce something. Uh, this isn't, uh, there's, there's actually a ton of people not here, so those of you guys who are here, get this out. If you see people this week, tell them. In your BOGs, tell them. If you, I mean... I think we'll probably post stuff on this and all that, but Al Stewart, uh, as I told you last week, Al Stewart died um, last Saturday, and his memorial is next Sunday at 2.30 at the Scott Mission, which is just on the north end of Chinatown off of Spadina right before the, the thing. You know what I'm talking about when I do this, right? So uh, that's at 2.30, the Scott Mission, uh, Al Stewart's memorial. So let's, I mean, just, just to let you guys know, let's, let's be there, let's, let's support him and what he stood for. Those of you guys who didn't know Al personally, um, he gave his life for Jesus. He, he was a street missionary. He, he, lived a, he lived a rough life, and, uh, and he reached so many people with the gospel, so many people with, with just his life and his joy, and his perseverance, and his kind words, and, and so we want to honor him next week, and we're going to do that. It's, it's going to be a time of, sure, it'll be a time of mourning, right? We, we always mourn when we see death happen, because we know that um, that's a result of sin, and that entered the world through us, uh, but for us as followers of Jesus, we celebrate, and so it's going to be a time of celebration, too, because we know where Al is. He no longer has a busted up hip. He no longer has um, dis mental disparity. He no longer has a, uh, emotional highs and lows. He's with Jesus. He is with his Savior. He is, he is dancing with Jesus. He's able to move like he's never moved. He's able to think more clearly than he ever has. He's able to see more clearly face-to-face, -face, Paul says. Uh, and uh, we want to celebrate that next week, too. So 2.30, the Scott Mission there will be light refreshments and stuff too, I believe. But um, yeah, hope to see you guys out there. The other thing is, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, Adam mentioned this, this summer, so what we normally do is we take a break for BOGs in the summer. So July and August, we don't have a regular BOG meetings. We're rolling out something new this year. So stay tuned for that. We're not gonna release all the details now. We'll probably do it next week or sometime this week. We're still trying to figure it all out. but. 
Um, we have that. We have our men's and women's mentorship gatherings, and we'll explain more about that. But all that is going into the summer because we aren't doing our regular small group gatherings. So just stay tuned for that as it comes out and get the word out on that. All right. I need like, so two weeks ago, I was preaching in a church in Philadelphia, and it was a predominantly African-American church, and they were, they were like, it was like a conversation. <laughs> yeah, like I was talking, and they were talking, and I'm like, do you want to talk? Do you want me to talk? Like, what's, what's going on here? It was a dialogue. So let's do that. Like, you guys should talk to me. Come on. Like, yeah. If I, yeah, there you go. Yeah. If I, because here's the thing. For those of you guys who have done something like this before, spoken before people like this, um, you know that sometimes it just feels lonely. You're up here by yourself. And it's, hey, thank you. I'm talking now, so try not to interrupt me. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so we're, um, uh, yeah, it gets a little lonely, and, and you're talking to people, and you have no idea if they're picking up what you're putting down. You have no idea, because you guys are just stand, sitting there staring at me. And I'm like, do they get that? Do they not get that? Uh, and so when I was at Missy and I were at this church, and the pastor there is a good friend of ours. Their church DNA is just like our DNA. They, um, they also, this is the church that we are working with in the West Bank, so they engage the same way we engage. So we were there... And, and so we were at this church, and, uh, you know, when I prepare a sermon, there's some things, like, all of this is born out of my own heart. It's born out of my own just time with the scriptures, and I'm like, oh, God's revealing things to me, and, and it's changing my heart. That's the point. Like, I'm just giving you what God's given me, what he's, how he's changed me. And so whenever something happens, and I write something in my sermon, I'm like, oh, that, like, really got me. And so when I say it out loud, I expect for you guys to be like, oh, that, that like, but normally it's like crickets, <laughs> you know? But when I was at this church, I said something, and this one lady was like, ooh. She's like, that hurt. And I was like, that is so awesome. So if, that, if something I say this morning gets you like that, feel free to vocalize it. Uh, or if you agree with something, feel free to vocalize it. Yeah, yeah, like, we should, we're a family here, we should, like, if you have something to say, just shout it out. All right, so, who here likes going to the dentist? Never. Dude, put your hands down, put your hands down. There's three people here like me. <laughs> I, hate is a really strong word, I rarely use it, but I may hate the dentist. I don't want to say it, but... Like, I, last time I was at the dentist was probably seven to ten years ago. <laughs> until, until this week. So I went this week, and I was just like, we should probably go. Um, and you say, ew, but here's the thing with dentists. Here's one reason I don't want to go, is, is anyone a dentist in here? Okay, that's good. Hopefully no dentists listening online. But, and this is just my opinion. I kind of feel like dentistry is kind of a crock. I'm like, I know how to brush my teeth. Like, I get it. I get it once, once a week, right? Like, I can brush, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Twice a day. Like, I, 
I brush my teeth. I'm fine. And it feels like every time I go to the dentist, they're like, yeah, it's, you're, you're fine. You have perfect teeth. You're, you're good. And I'm like, why did I come here? Like, I, I knew that before I got here. Um, and I don't floss. So I go there, and I'm like up front. I'm like, hey, you can tell me to floss, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I floss when I want to floss. She was like, okay, <laughs> calm, calm down. <laughs> but I go there, and I feel like, I feel like I'm judged, right? You go to the dentist, that's, that's one of the reasons I don't like going, because I go there, and I feel like I'm judged. They're like, they're looking at your teeth, they got your mouth open, they're trying to talk to you and ask you questions when your mouth is open, and they're like, you feel that? And I'm like, I don't know, should I say yes or no? Like, yeah. She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she moves on, and she's like, how about this? Do you feel any pain there? I'm like, no, should I? Uh, and, and you just, I just feel like, I just feel constantly under a microscope and, and judged. So the whole time I'm there, I just noticed this this time. Actually, I think the last time I went to the dentist was in Thailand, yeah. <laughs> like 2006. Okay. <laughs> so, Missy's actually, I should have roped her into this. She's a model, like she flosses every day, she's always on my case to floss. She spends like 10 minutes flossing at night, and yeah, she's brushing her teeth. Um, and anyway, so I just noticed this, this time when I was at the dentist, I was really tense. And when I get tense, my shoulders go up, like right here. So I was kind of like this the whole time. And I realized like I actually wasn't breathing regularly. I was in the chair kind of holding my breath. <laughs> my face is getting red. Um, and I just, I, I wasn't breathing right. And, I wouldn't really look at her in the eyes, like she's over me, and I'm just like, uh, like what, what is she doing in there? And it was just, it was a really intense experience for me. And then I go, I go out, at right stepped outside the doors, um, onto the sidewalk, and I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, I'm out of there. It's done, it's over, I got it over with, now I can go on with my dentist-free life and keep on going. That's, that's what condemnation does for us. Going to the dentist is like living a life of condemnation. <laughs> and in this passage, Jesus is talking about condemnation, okay? He's talking about living a life that is under condemnation. When you're under condemnation, it looks like that. It looks like you're constantly being judged. It looks like you, have, like you, you just can't breathe. You have no breathing room. It feels like someone's always saying something against you that you just take a personal affront to. It feels like one little comment is like a wrecking ball to your life. It feels like you can't even look truth in the eye because you don't want to hear the truth because if you hear the truth, it might tell you something you already know about yourself and make you feel worse about yourself than you already do. And that's a life of condemnation. But that's not the life that Jesus came to give us. It's the life apart from Christ that we're already living, that we're just already in. Jesus didn't come to give it to us. We already have it. But in Christ, he's, he wants to give us a new life. And as we walk through this passage, we'll talk about this bottom line for this morning, is that without Christ, you live in condemnation, but with Christ, you live in consecration. Consecration is just a fancy word that rhymes with condemnation, but it, it's a word that means holiness, 
It's you are holy. You're set apart for a different purpose. You're set apart for a different life, not the life that uh, you might be currently living. And if you're here this morning, you're not in Christ, the reason it's so hard is because you're living in condemnation already. We all, if you're a follower of Jesus, we were there. We were all there. Some of you guys who are followers of Jesus, you still go back to that, and you still live in condemnation when you're not supposed to be in there anymore. And it's nothing anybody has done to you except that you, me, all of us, we were just born into this world. And this world is one of condemnation. This world is on this path towards destruction. And Jesus came to show us the path towards life. And so this passage in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is about this. The reason this passage is so misinterpreted and misunderstood is because people interpret it and read it apart from the rest of what Jesus has said already in the Sermon on the Mount. But there's already two chapters before this. There's Matthew chapter 5, there's Matthew chapter 6, and this is all one sermon. So when we get to Matthew chapter 7, we can't forget what Jesus has been saying to us. So we can't interpret this passage without first knowing what Jesus has said in those passages before this. That's why we've been going through it systematically like this. So just to remind you, Jesus has been building kingdom character in us. He's been building a kingdom citizen. He has is, he is said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's not, a, it's not a threat. Jesus is giving us a promise. He's saying, what you've been waiting for is finally here. He's not there to scare us. He's like, hey, guys, I'm here. Like, you've been waiting for me to come rescue you, and I'm finally here to do that. And then, he's, and then he goes in the Beatitudes, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are, and he goes, there's, there's what, eight to ten of them. And, and he sets a culture of blessedness. And he says, first of all, I want you to know that you are blessed. When you are a kingdom citizen, when you're in me, you're blessed. And then he deals with a bunch of other things. You're valuable, you're fulfilled, you're free, you're reconciled, you are uh, eternal. Um, and this week, you are holy. You are holy. We're going to talk about what that means. But Jesus ends the last passage, right before he goes into judge not, he says in verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. We talked about uh, worry and anxiety last week. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And then he says these words, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow, like you have enough to worry about today. And one of those things that he's talking about is in this next passage that we're dealing with this morning, it's condemnation. Jesus knows that we live in this, this culture of condemnation, in this world where we're feeling like we constantly get judged and we're constantly condemned. So, so he says then, judge not that you not be judged. So what if we substituted condemn for judge here? And I'll give you a picture of what I'm talking about. So condemn not that you not be condemned. For with the, the condemnation you pronounce you will be condemned, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus here is not necessarily talking about an action. He's talking about an attitude. So elsewhere in the scriptures, so when Jesus says judge not, he doesn't mean that we don't discern. He's not saying do not discern. He's not saying do not be wise. He's not saying do not criticize. He's not saying do not 
figure things out in, in that sense. He's saying, don't be condemning. Don't look down on other people. Don't, don't tear people down. Don't, um, uh, yeah, just don't condemn. Because elsewhere in the scriptures, we see the scriptures saying, you need to be discerning. You need to test the spirits. You actually need to judge. You need to figure the situation out. You need to do these things. So the wrong interpretation of this is to say, oh, well, we're not supposed to judge other people, and, and other people aren't supposed to judge me. That's kind of a common mantra, right, in our city, in our culture, is that people aren't supposed to judge us, and we're not supposed to judge other people. And, a lot, and for a Christian, some of us get it from this passage, and that would be a wrong interpretation of this passage, okay? What we're not supposed to do is condemn. Now, some of you guys are like, well, how do we do that? Because some of you probably can't judge without condemning, right? That's, that's, the, that's the hard part. How do we actually discern and judge properly without, without an attitude of condemnation? And, and so Jesus knows us, though. He knows that our tendency is to condemn. Why? Because we live in condemnation. Because that's the culture we live in. Because when someone says something against us, when we live in condemnation, we don't like it. Even if it's true. When the dentist tells me that I need to brush my teeth twice a day, I know that's a good rule of thumb. I know that's true. And even though I do it, I still feel like she's judging me. And I'm like, don't, don't bring your brushing of the teeth up in here. <laughs> Don't you tell me what to do. Like, we had that reaction, right? It's because, because I, I went in having this, like, fear of judgment and condemnation, right? Because I wasn't secure in something else. And Jesus is trying to get us secure in something else. Right? We placed our security in the wrong thing. We talked about that last week. And when we place our security in Christ, that changes everything. And so he says, condemn not that you not be condemned, for... With that judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. This isn't a threat, guys. It's just a reality. He's like, hey, if you're going to condemn like that, if you're going to judge like that, that same measure, you've opened yourself up to that same measure of judgment, of condemnation. If you're going to do that to someone else, they can totally do that to you. A few years ago, a couple years ago, I haven't asked his permission for this, but we're buddies, so he'll be okay. Um, it's about you, Seth. Uh, <laughs> So he's like, I'm not okay. <laughs> a couple, couple years ago, we're, we're out here talking, and it was me, Seth, another guy. And I don't know how we started talking about this, but Seth is like, he's like, I'm 5'10". <laughs> and I was like, you're not 5'10". <laughs> Just like totally crushing his world, right? And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm 5'10". And I was like, no, no, you're not. Um, and, and so we decided to bring a tape measure the next Sunday. <laughs> like, let's, let's just settle this. Because then I was saying, well, he's like, well, how tall are you? And I was like, well, I'm six, I'm six foot. I'm six even. I was like, with shoes, I'm maybe like six one, but... Um, and he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so he's just like, he's, he's measuring with, with my measure, right? He's throwing it back at me. He's like, no. And so we're like, all right, let's settle this. Tape measure does not lie. Let's get it. So next week I bring one, and they'd probably forgotten about it, but I hadn't. I have my tape, <laughs> I have my tape measure. So we get there and um, measure Seth, and guess what? He got bumped from the double digits down to 5'9". So, and <laughs> for him, he was like, that changes my whole perception of myself. 
I was in the double digits. Now I'm just in the single. Uh, he's like, all right, let's measure you. So he measures me, and he's like, he's like, you're not six foot. You're only 5'12". <laughs> and like, at first I was like, oh no, like, I am six foot. Then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. That's, here's the thing. This is what Jesus is talking about. We've opened ourselves to that. And in that moment, I was like, actually fearful. I was like, wait, am I only five something? Uh, because I opened myself up to be measured just as he was measured. And he tried to pull a fast one on me, but it, it didn't work. I'm too smart for that. <laughs> well, it took me a few seconds. But, <laughs> but, and Jesus is saying, like, hey, guys, just, just watch what you're doing. Just be aware. Like, here's the thing. We're living in this culture of condemnation, and, and we often think we're a lot better than we are, right? And this is something that Christians get accused for. Like, oh, you think you're so good, you think you're so holy, you think you're so pious, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's not legit, but sometimes it is legit, because we give off that vibe sometimes. And, and for us, like, we need to recognize and declare, like, we have nothing to do with this. It is nothing in us that makes us who we are. It's all Jesus. And, but in a culture of condemnation, there's... It's hard to see clearly sometimes, and that's what Jesus is about to go into. So he says in the, in the next verse, verse 3, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So the first thing we need to do is reorient perspective. The problem here, Jesus is asking a question. It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, why do you do this? Why, why are you even seeing that speck? And you're not even noticing what's in yourself. It's because you have the wrong perspective. It's because your perspective is entirely skewed. It's because you don't want to look in yourself because you know what's in there and you know it's ugly. And it's, and it's just better to look at that little tiny speck in someone else's eye when you got this log sticking out of your own eye. And Jesus just starts by saying, why? Hey, why are you even doing that? Reorient your perspective from them to you first. And then verse 4, recognize condemnation. He says another question in verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye when there's a log in your own eye? What is this log? Well, it's condemnation. It's this attitude. It's this spirit. It's this mentality of, of condemning somebody else, of tearing somebody else down. And he asks this question, how can you even do that? First, why? Now, how? He says, first, recognize that you, are, you yourself are condemned. So John 3.16 says this. This is probably the most, most well-known verse in all the scriptures. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Just a note on John 3.16 where he says, for God so loved the world, sometimes we take that to mean God loved the world so much that he did this. It's actually not, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that God loved the world in this way. So it's like a so or a thus. Like, for God thus loved the world. Does that make sense? And he loved it in this way he gave his son. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what I was saying earlier. But in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus 
If you, if you are not a follower of Jesus today, and even if you are, Jesus isn't here to condemn you. He's not here to say, you, you have to work to be more like me. He's here to say, I've done it all for you. I'm just here to rescue you from that. And that's what, what John is saying here. In order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned anymore. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God. And the only Son of God. Is there verse 19? Yeah, verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And that's the thing with, with condemnation. We love to retreat into the darkness. We just want to hide. And he says, but the light has come into the world because their works were evil. He's talking about us, guys. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be seen clear, or clearly seen that his works have been carried out, not by themselves, but his works have been carried out in God. And that's the key. We point to Jesus. All right, let's go to the third one. This is verse 5. Jesus says, you, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You need to reorient relationship. You see here that throughout this passage, Jesus is using familial language. He's using the word brother. And so this is about relationship, guys. This is about res restoration. This isn't about judgment and condemnation. He's trying to restore something here. He's trying to, trying to bring restoration to relationship. And it's funny, though, that he starts off by saying, you hypocrite. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, is that the best way to re restore the relationship? But... For us, it's like, oh, how can you call someone that? But remember, in this context, who's the hypocrite? Jesus has just talked about what hypocrites are in Matthew chapter 6, and a hypocrite is a person who is just after, after things for themselves. It's a person who's seeking their own praise, who's seeking their own adulation, who's seeking their own exaltation, who, who thinks they're better than, themselves, than, than they really are. Who's, this is the person who Jesus says just prays in the street corner so people will see that they're amazing and that they're good and that, oh, that person's so holy. He's like, don't be like that. He's, he says, when, you, when you're like verse 3 and you're like verse 4, you're a hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then your vision will be restored, and then you can actually restore a relationship by taking a speck out of your brother's eye. Yeah, actually, yeah, go to that first John, that first John passage. Or, sorry, Romans 8. Romans 8 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news, guys. If you're in Christ this morning, there's no condemnation. You don't have to live that life anymore. You're free. You don't have to worry about judgment. You don't have to worry about that dentist. Uh, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And he did it by sending his own son. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. And then Jesus gives this statement. The statement that I said was so weird at the beginning of, of the talk. In verse 6, he says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. 
Such a random analogy, <laughs> illustration. So seemingly it is. You know, when I, uh, I, I've always kind of struggled with this passage, with this verse, I should say, and, and like, what does this mean? And I poured over it um, the past few days and, and was just asking God, like, what is this? What are you trying to say here? And there's so many different in interpretations out there on this. And one of the main ones, one of the, one of the predominant interpretations, and I would say it's wrong, is, is that Jesus is talking here about the gospel of the kingdom. That's what's holy. It's the gospel. It's, that's, that's the gospel of the kingdom. I'd say that's true. But uh, the wrong interpretation is that, well, you can't give that to just anybody. You have to be discerning, and you have to judge whether you give it to this person or this person. But that's the opposite of what Jesus has just said. Because when we do that, if we discern who gets the gospel and who doesn't, that's, that's a condemning attitude. We've just condemned somebody because instead of giving them life, we've taken away from them. We haven't given them the opportunity for it. But one of the predominant interpretations of this is, is that, which I don't understand, uh, because Jesus has just said, don't do that. So why would he now say, do that? So that can't be right. So we're going to throw that interpretation out because that's just... That's just wrong. It's unbiblical. It's not what Jesus stands for. Um, so if what is holy is the gospel of the kingdom, then what does that mean? A lot of times this passage focuses on the words dogs and pigs because it's so jarring. Like, ugh, he just like called people that. Um, and in the scriptures, dogs aren't like, uh, yeah, man's best friend and, and like cuddly puppies and stuff. They're unclean. They're, they're like, you didn't touch them. Pigs, of course, in the scriptures, unclean. Like, you didn't, you didn't touch them. So that's what he's talking about here. But, but a lot of focus goes on the unworthiness of the person, and that's not what Jesus is getting at here, um, if I understand it correctly. What Jesus is getting at isn't the unworthiness of the person, because guess what? We're all unworthy. There's not a single one of us in here this morning that is worthy. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the amazing part of the gospel is that we're all unworthy and that we had to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus for him to, to say, come to me, and only in him do we become worthy. Not because of us, but because of him. And so we're all unworthy. So this isn't about the worthiness of a person or an individual or a group of people. This is about, this is about your holiness, and that's why the, I, I termed this, you are holy, this theme this morning. Because here, Jesus, like I said, we're not to live a life of condemnation anymore, we're to live a life of consecration. And when he says don't give what is holy to dogs, don't throw your pearls before pigs, he's talking about something that, uh, when this, this word is for don't give them this uh, to eat, not just don't give it to them to wear, but don't give pigs pearls to eat, don't give dogs what is holy to eat. Why? Because they can't. It's not about unworthiness. It's about being incapable of doing something on our own. They can't ingest the pearls. They can't digest them. They can't ingest what is holy. They can't digest it. They can't do that on their own. We were all there. That was all of us. That's still some of us. He says you can't ingest it. And look at what he says. He says, they'll just trample it underfoot. And then what do they do? They'll turn and they'll eat you. 
when he says they'll attack you, he's talking about eating you. They want something to eat. And you're like, wait a second. If they'll eat me, what does that say about me? Because he just said they can't ingest what's holy. They can't ingest what's valuable and what's pearls. And then he turns on me. What does that say about me? Well, it may say that you're unholy. And if you are in the practice of condemning others, like Jesus has just said not to do, then you're not living a life of consecration. You're living a life of condemnation. And, and the dogs and the pigs, it sounds so bad, uh, they're, they're going to turn and they're going to eat you because they can eat what is unholy. This isn't about them. This is about you. This is about me. That, that's one of those times when you're like, oh, ouch, right? I talked about this, guys. I talked about this when I started. Like, all you guys should be like, ouch. Maybe all your breath was gone because I just punched you in the stomach like Jesus did. Because that, that's like, oh, man, what does that say about me? If they can turn on me like that. Second Peter 2.22 says, and, and he talks about pigs and, and dogs here. He says that, Oh, there it is. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the, and the sow, the pig, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is the uncleanness. And so many of us who claim to follow Jesus are still living lives of condemnation. We're still living lives of sin. We're still, still living lives in our failures. We're still living lives in our chains uh, of, of the bondage of sin. And he's called us out of that, guys. And he says, go ahead, live that life. They're going to turn on you, and they're just going to eat you. But... I'm here for you. I wish I could go in the next passage because it's a passage where we'll talk about next week where he's about to empower us like crazy. Like, it's going to be amazing. So come back next week because you're like, oh, this is a downer. I suck. <laughs> next week, the, the theme is you are able. And, and we're going to talk about how Jesus has just empowered us with the Spirit. Um, yeah, go to the first John passage. Just read that real quick. This is out of 1 John. Verse 19, John writes, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, how many of you guys have a heart that condemns you? I'm sorry that, you, that you're still living that way. You don't have to live that way. Your heart should not condemn you because God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. He knows you. He knows everything about you. You don't have to. You just have to recognize you already are condemned. And God still loves you. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. He still wants you. And he calls you beloved here. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask of him, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what, he, what pleases him. <clears throat> Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides, he lives, he dwells, he takes up residence in us by the spirit whom he's given us. Uh, yesterday at the house, Emerson and Reagan were in the washroom. I was in the room next, next door to that, and... I don't know what happened. I hear Emerson get really angry. Emerson's my eight-year-old. Reagan's my almost seven-year-old. And I hear Emerson get really angry, like, ah! And she hits Reagan. I hear her 
yell and then hit something, and I knew it was Reagan. <laughs> um, not on the face or anything, like just, she basically spanked her. Because <laughs> Reagan was on the stool washing her hands. And, and they don't, like, that's unacceptable in our house. So, and she knows it. And so she, Reagan starts crying, like immediately, and I hear the door close. And at this time, I'm already almost to the washroom. And I throw the door open, I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of like that actually. <laughs> and like, they both look, and her eyes are huge. And, and so she knows what she did was wrong. How do I know that she knows that? She tried to hide it. She closed the door. She didn't want me to hear Reagan crying. And, and so I wasn't even that upset that she hit Reagan. Like kids, when you have kids, you'll understand our kids don't hit each other very often, um, but they, they have, we, most of us are still this way too, we're learning how to work out our anger and our aggression, right? And so it's teaching, so I'm always teaching, I'm always teaching them, and just about, just about these things. And so I wasn't that upset about that, although I was, because she's, it's constant disobedience, because she's, I mean, it's like once every few months, right, this happens, so it's not like regular. But what I was upset about is that she tried to hide it. Because that says something about her heart, right? That's, that's this culture of condemnation. And so I go to her and I say, well, we're talking about not to do it. And, and, I, and Reagan had, had gone. I told Reagan to go. And I'm talking to Emerson. And I say to her, you know, what I just said to you. And I was like, why? why? Why did you try to hide it? I said, do you know what that's like? Do you know what you just did? And, and she's like, no. <laughs> I was like, this is what, exactly what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They sinned against God, and then they tried to hide it. I said, do you know why they tried to hide it? She said, I don't know. I was like, why did you try to hide it? She's like, I don't know. And I said, because you are ashamed of yourself. And you're trying to hide it. And all you're doing is taking that sin and you're rooting it into your heart and you're burying it in the darkness. That's a culture of condemnation. And I said to her, you are in Christ Jesus. Don't do that. You don't have to hide it. You can be open with it. I said, you knew you were wrong. Just own it. Just take it to God. Say, I'm sorry. Take it to Reagan. Say, I'm sorry. Say, you'll never do that again. Have a heart of repentance, and you have the power, Jesus has given you that, to change it. But instead, you chose death. And I said, do you want to choose death? She's like, no. <laughs> You're like, I'm so glad I'm not your daughter. I'm <laughs> so glad I'm not your kid. And I'm like, like, sweetie, you have life. You have life at your doorstep to choose life. You can choose life anytime you want. And she said, but I, but I pray about this and I try and I can't do it. I just can't do it. And then I said, that's good. It's all about Jesus doing it in you. Just keep on going to him. Just keep on going to him. And then she says to me, she says, should I trust Jesus? Or she's like, I should trust Jesus so that I go to heaven one day? 
And I said, no, that is not why we trust Jesus. We trust Jesus so that we can have eternal life now. Right now, Emerson, you have eternal life. Right now, you walk in no condemnation. Right now, you can live a life that is without mourning, that is without tears, that is without pain, without suffering because of what Jesus has given you. Right now, you can say, God, Father, your will in heaven as it is on earth. Right now, we can bring that down. Right now, you're a minister of reconciliation. God is reconciling all things to himself. And when we follow Jesus, when we realize that it isn't for some ethereal, abstract life in the future that someday will be there, that it's actually for right now, that's going to change your life. That's going to change what you do at work, in your family, with your kids, with your relationships, with your friends. That's going to change your hardships. That's when pain and suffering come. And you say, that has no hold on me. I'm not suffering because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm consecrated. Yeah, thank you. I'm consecrated. Like, I'm set apart. I'm holy. I'm not condemned. That's why we don't have to mourn that Al is gone. That's why we get to celebrate it. Yeah, we don't get to see him. That was not me. That's the Spirit of God dimming those lights. <laughs> That's just the timer. Like, we, we get to live in this life, guys, that G Jesus has just said, this is how you pray. And he said, pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you believe that's possible? I don't know if you do. So many of us live like it's not possible. Because we live, we live during the week that, that, things, that things affect us, things take us down, things, and I get it. Things do that. But you don't have to choose death anymore. You have the ability to choose life. And that life isn't for some time in the future. Your eternal life starts now, right now. And so this morning, that's what you're invited into. This morning, you're invited into a life of consecration of holiness in Christ Jesus now. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's what he wants to give you. If you are a follower of Jesus, stop living in your sin. Just stop it. It's as easy as that. Choose to live in Jesus. Choose to live in the spirit who lives in you. Stop fighting him. Don't quench him. Like just, just let him do his work. And so we're going to go into song. We're going to communion. We're, we'll have prayer time afterwards. If you, guys, if you guys need to give something to Jesus today, do it today. Don't wait. Do it today. And as you approach the Lord's table this morning, recognize that his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. And have a heart of gratitude for that this morning. Allow Jesus to bring healing to your heart this morning. And so when you're ready, if you're a believer this morning, this is for you. This is for you to celebrate what Jesus has already done in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your... Everything is new today in Christ Jesus. Everything's new. Thank you. I don't know why you're so good to us. You don't have to be. But it's who you are. It's your character. You can't help it. Thank you for doing that. And so draw us to you this morning. Fill us with your spirit. Fill this place with your love. 
and reveal more of yourself to us this morning. We ask in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.